You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access uh, Chalk Talk Edition. Um, it's a uh, obviously a Monday evening. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. And for those of you listening on the podcast on Tuesday, thanks for uh, checking us out. Obviously, you can find us on Twitter at Packers underscore access. Um, you can also find us at Packernet.com. Uh, and um, also, if you want to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And we're flying solo tonight. And um, we were going to have Coach Hom with us. We had a basketball game that he had to attend uh, to. So he's off doing way more productive things rather than just, uh, you know, talking ball and geeking out over uh, X's and O's when it comes to the uh, Packers-Eagles game. And um, just want to say that tonight's show is brought to you by Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. It was birthed out of the burden to help those in our community and congregations who come out of a difficult past and an addictive lifestyle. We uh, just gave away an autographed Quay Walker jersey. And uh, now we are giving away an autographed Paul Hornig jersey. It's the uh, the home green Beckett style jersey from pristineauction.com. Comes with a certificate of authenticity, all that stuff. And uh, also, um, well, first of all, if you want to enter yourself in that contest, you just go to my Twitter page, at Packers underscore access. You will see a tweet that's pinned at the top of the page. Make sure you retweet that tweet and then also follow the account. And you'll also notice that there is a, uh, a link to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry right there attached to that same tweet for every five dollars that someone donates to that cause you're entered into the contest one additional time obviously the retweet and the follow gets you entered one time as well and there's no limit on how much you can do that i do want to give a shout out to john in arizona we really appreciate your uh your uh, donation man it helps a lot and uh, thanks for listening along out there in arizona as well so with that being said we're going to get into the uh the philadelphia game a little bit guys and we're just going to talk about um kind of five key moments key plays, if you will, that kind of controlled the the flow of the game. You know, the reason that we started doing these Chalk Talk segments and doing them in uh, in, in, in kind of uh, clusters of five plays, first of all, we could pick out 20 plays in this game that really played a big role, right? But we're trying to narrow it down to, okay, let's give some positive and some negative. What happened in the game? You know, sometimes we get away from the running game, right? And people go, why don't we run the ball more? You know, maybe the the average yards per carry is, uh, you know, over five, right? And you're, you're just pounding the rock. But, you know, 
maybe another aspect of the game kind of got away from you a bit to where you had to get away from the run, right? And um, a lot of times when you just look at the stat column, when you look at the box score, it doesn't tell the whole story, right? So what we want to do is just kind of go through in chronological order and, and, and talk about some of the big plays that kind of determine the outcome of the game and, and the flow of the game, all right? So we're just going to start here in quarter number one, and it, I'm telling you, it, it came right off the bat, guys. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen and uh, give you the details of this play. And uh, so hopefully you guys can see this. Those of you listening on the podcast, we're going to try to uh, talk it into detail to where you can actually understand what we're saying and, and really what we're trying to get across as far as the message of, of what happened in these big plays. But this came, this was the Jalen Hurts 24-yard scramble. And this was a killer, guys. This was in the first quarter, 10 seconds into the game, literally 10 seconds into the game, 14 minutes and 50 seconds left in the first quarter. It was a third and 10. You're like, all right, man, let's get a stop right here. This has been the problem all year with this defense, though, gang. It's all year long. You you just can't get your defense off the field after third down, right? There's been way too many third down conversions. And I always reference back to the 2010 season when the Packers won the Super Bowl. That was one of the things that they done so well was third down conversion, right? You know, converting on third down is demoralizing to a defense. And the reason I picked this play out, although there were bigger running plays, and uh, obviously, you know, Philadelphia ran for 10,300 yards, right, <laughs> throughout the, the course of uh, uh, of this game. And it just seemed like I think they rushed for right at 400 yards, if I remember correctly, just shy of 400. So you could pick out a dozen of running plays. But this one, it really tell, tells the story of third down, right? Third and 10, can't get off the field. This was at Philadelphia's own 25-yard line. So if you get a stop right here, then obviously you're getting the ball back with great field position and you're, and you're kind of off and running, right, with the, the Packers getting the ball back after the half. Um, this would be a great way to kind of set the stage for, you know, kicking a field goal, um, getting a touchdown right off the bat and, and kind of get some early momentum. But again, we know what happened. But Philly comes out here in what we call a gun 11 trips, Y flex, halfback week. OK, that's the formation they're using. So essentially they've got three targets. And for those of you on the pod, we're going from left to right on the TV copy. We're not going to wait around on the all 22. We can explain what happens off screen if if need be. But. Um, you know, going from left to right at the top of the screen, you've got your your three targets, which are tied in, flexed in the middle. OK, so he's actually in between the two receivers on the top of the screen. You've got your halfback opposite them. That makes it a strong left, obviously, halfback weak. And then one wide receiver spread out um, on the bottom of the screen. Green Bay, this is what's really unique. You know, they came out in a gun 11, uh, Philadelphia did, which typically we match with a nickel. But for whatever reason, the Packers chose to go dime. We actually went with a dime 236 here. And it's important to point out as I, as I uh, roll the, the camera here behind the uh, line of scrimmage that the technique in which the defensive front used here, and this was the problem, and this was the problem against Dallas and all the halfback draws. I've been saying it all year long that I really don't like this wide nine and this double four look. And what I mean by that is with the uh, the nine technique on the outside. So you've got a nine technique um, with the right outside linebacker on the left side of the line of scrimmage with the Madden cam, right? The camera behind the line of scrimmage here. Um, you've got Preston Smith in a wide nine technique. What's that mean? It means he would be way outside, almost a full gap on the outside shoulder of a tight end if a tight end was attached to the offensive line. Okay, so you're talking about way spread out. You've got um, the first defensive lineman in what we call a four-eye, okay? He's not really in a true uh, four technique where he's right over top of the offensive tackle, but he's just just shading the inside shoulder, which we would call four-eye. The other defensive tackle is actually in a true four technique, okay? He's over top of the right tackle. And then you've got another wide nine. So this, this is so spread out. This is just screaming 
for Jalen Hurts to run here, right? So when you look at it, you would think, okay, schematically, you don't like this look simply because, you know, you're, you're kind of spreading that pass rush out and allowing Jalen Hurts to, to get some, some room to run here. And that's exactly what happens on the scramble. But what you do notice, though, is you actually have Quay Walker playing spy. We're going to go back to the TV copy, right? And it's not really a true spy, but he's just right there in the middle. He's kind of playing that rat underneath, right? And as I roll it here, he reads Jalen Hurts' running right here. Now, Jalen could have dumped it to the flat and probably converted that pass. He gives a little baby pump fake, but Quay does the right thing. Quay sets up outside leverage because he knows he's got help as we go back behind the line of scrimmage. He knows he's got help on the inside. If if Jalen Hurts gets loose out here, huge gain, right? So Quay knows I've got to prevent him from getting out here to the left. So what he does is squares up. He actually does a good job of forcing him back in, but you see he slips, misses the tackle. There's no excuses, guys. That is a missed tackle by Quay Walker. Had one of his worst games of the season. So it is what it is. But again, he misses the tackle. But not only does he miss the tackle, Amos misses the tackle. So here comes Amos. Bam, missed tackle. Same exact move. Now, Amos here, there's there's really, I mean, you have got to be more aggressive there. When you get to this point, attack. Like we've seen it all year long that these safeties are so hesitant to attack the ball carrier. He squares up. He doesn't know whether to go left or right. He gets juked out of his shoes. And then guess what? Here comes Darnell Savage, your other safety, completely whiffs. Now, right here, I understand why Amos was a little hesitant because he knows this left is still wide open. He's got to protect. He cannot let Jalen get left because these are these guys are all in coverage. It's going to be a huge play. At this point, you're trying to play damage control. But as he forces him back in, Savage right here has got to know all of the other defenders, all the other help is on the inside. Why in the world would you bite that far in on the inside? And we'll point out here later if we have time, Savage had a horrible PF, PFF grade as well. Just bad all the way around on defense. But, again, look at this. Just getting sucked right in, missed the tackle. Now you've got a huge play, right? Thank goodness for Rudy Ford. He was all over the joint yesterday. One other thing I want to point out as we roll through the TV copy, they got away with a hold here. And I know you're going to be going, all right, here goes Clayton blaming the refs again. I'm just saying, look at this right here. Look at Kenny. Guys, that's as blatant a hold as you're ever going to see. Like the, the offensive line is just kind of standing there, grabs a handful of jersey, and Kenny cannot twist away. That stuff drives you crazy because if if he doesn't get held there, Kenny spins off, he probably makes that tackle right there. He's probably blindsiding Jalen Hurts. But instead, no hold. Here comes the big play. There's the juke on Savage. Savage is one of the worst tacklers I've ever seen. I mean, it's bad. And, of course, Rudy Ford runs him out. So why do we start off with that? Guys, that sets the tone for the whole evening. You're talking about a third and ten on their own 25-yard line, and they come away with a huge 24-yard gain, 24-yard run, right, on a busted play. Essentially, the coverage was good, nothing downfield, three missed tackles, 24 yards later, and now your defense is winded, and they're on their heels the rest of the night, right? And to the best of my knowledge, we were running uh, some, some sort of either cover one robber. It might have been a cover three with an underneath rat. Really doesn't matter. The problem wasn't the scheme here. Per se, you know, again, I don't like the front. That's a very weak front when it comes to a scrambling quarterback. But Barry knew that. And Barry knew, all right, let's put Quay in the middle and you spy him. You can see his his eyes are in the backfield the entire time. Quay just didn't make the tackle. So I'm not going to put this one off on Joe Barry. I'm sorry. That when you talk about three defenders missing a tackle within the first down marker, that's on the players. That's on execution. That is not 
on your defensive coordinator. Now, trust me, there's going to be plenty of blame for Joe Barry. You don't give up almost 400 yards rushing and, and not have blame for the defensive coordinator. But that specific play, I got to put it on Quay Walker, Adrian Amos, and Darnell Savage. I mean, you, you have got to be able to make that tackle. It's not like Jalen Hurts did anything that was just out of this world, guys. It was just simply – Darnell Savage not playing within the scheme, not playing within the system of knowing he's got help on the inside and sealing off the outside. And uh and Quay Walker slipping, missing the tackle. And of course, Adrian Amos being on an island. I don't I don't think that's a just a great play by Hertz. I think it's horrible tackling, and we've seen it all year long. So let's move on to the next play. The next play is a positive play for the Packers for their defense. At this point, Philly is up 20 to 14, and we're fast forwarding all the way to the second quarter, 856 left. Okay. And this is the Rudy Ford force fumble. This came on a third and eight. Huge, again, to get off the field on third down. Not only did they get off the field, but they turned this into a, a huge positive play for our defense. Um, they're on their own 18-yard line, Philly is, right? So they're kind of, or I'm sorry, they're they're on the Packers' 18-yard eight, line, roughly, or uh, twenty actually the 21-yard line as I look at the taker. I've got that wrote down wrong. And um, as they set this play up, right, they're coming out in an 11-gun, motion to bunch, Y-flex, Wide receiver stab screen is what I would call this. Now, what does all that mean? So they're coming out in uh, in the 11 gun, which is basically one running back, one tight end. It's a three wide receiver set. They're motion to bunch, right? So they're basically motioning across the formation to complete the bunch here, right, where your tight end is. And that as that receiver moves across the formation, you notice no one follows them, okay? So this tells you it's zone defense. And you can see as the play develops, it is a zone defense, right? And, again, third and eight. Huge, crucial third down. You're only down by six points. It's, it's it's crucial to get a stop here, right? And what you see here is Green Bay comes out in a nickel 245. We're going to go behind the line of scrimmage here. They come out in their, their patent um, nickel uh, 245, and this is what we call a double mug, okay? This is some people call it double barrel. I know A.J. Hawk calls it double barrel. Uh, we call it a double mug. What it means is as you look at the formation, you basically have the inside linebackers mugging the A-gap pre-snap. So they're showing that they're bringing six here, right? That's what they're showing, okay? Now, as you see, as the tape rolls, you're going to have the weak side backer away from the bunch is going to drop into coverage, right? And as he drops into coverage, you're going to see it's a corner blitz. So they're bringing Keyshawn Nixon off the edge, okay? And it's actually he – does, he does a really good job here. He, he really does, um, you know, getting to the quarterback and, and, and causing a little bit of confusion – Make it in panic just a touch and get rid of this ball quick, right? But the play is there. Hurts does a good job finding the throwing lane and gets it out in the wide receiver screen. The reason we know it's a screen is because you can see the tight end set up base inside, kind of playing it inside out, looking to block for him. He goes to block Rudy Ford. And, of course, Rudy Ford and Chris Barnes, they do a great job. They show great awareness here. They both get to the ball fairly quick. You see Rudy fight through a block, get in, get hands on the ball carrier and have the wherewithal to strip the ball. So forces the fumble, and you can see right there, I want to point out Chris Barnes. This is a great positive play for Chris Barnes. If Rudy doesn't strip this ball, then Chris Barnes stops the ball carrier, you know, roughly six, seven yards short of the first down. That's important to mention, okay? But, again, Rudy Ford strips it, and look at Quay Walker. Quay, Quay Walker, guys, he's not played good this year. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? He has had a bad rookie year. I'm not going to sit here and defend someone that's – that's. I mean, he is not playing up to par as a first-round pick. Now, granted, we don't expect first-round picks to just come, come in and be superstars, right? You hope they are. That's why you spend that first-round uh, you know, that first round uh, value on them, right? But it doesn't guarantee they're going to be a stud. 
And he's kind of been thrust into this spot. And, and I'm one that I've been pretty vocal that I would like to see him rotate him out a little bit. You know, you see Chris Barnes on this play. He, he makes a great play. I thought Chris Barnes, you know, showed flashes at times, although he graded out just as bad as Quay. But Quay using his athleticism here, man, he swoops in and picks this ball up. And look how quick the transition takes place. I mean, he gets this ball and he is upfield. That's what you call the scoop and score, right? That's what you're going for there. And it's funny because I'm a very uh, conservative football fan from a sense of I would rather you just fall on that ball and secure possession. But, you know, Coach Hahn has pointed out time and time again that they're teaching more nowadays scoop and score. Try to scoop that ball up, turn it into a big play on defense, right? And I want you to key in on Keyshawn Nixon. Not only did Keyshawn blitz right here, right, coming off the edge. Keyshawn Nixon fires off the edge, puts the pressure on Jalen. Jalen gets, gets rid of the ball. And I want you to look who comes flying into the screen. Not, he was already in the backfield putting pressure on the quarterback. As soon as Quace scoops the ball up, watch Keyshawn Nixon here. And for those of you on the pod, he comes in and absolutely annihilates the tight end. The tight end sees it's a scoop, sees the fumble, sees the scoop, goes after Quay, and Keyshawn Nixon just cleans his clock with a block. And I love that right there. For those of you on the pod, Keyshawn is staring at his lifeless body on the ground. Keyshawn's a dog, and I want to see that guy resign. I want to see him back next year for sure. So obviously Quay takes off with it. I don't know what Jair is doing. It looks like he's waving at the uh, offensive players. I don't understand. Like, get up there, and like, if you're Jair, you have got to – crush Jalen Hurts right here like put a hat on him and of course Jair does nothing but kind of dance around barely shoves Jalen gets back in the way gets back in the way of Quay again never blocks a single person but again from the the copy from behind the line of scrimmage you see the double a gap mug double a gap mug here and you're going to see Chris Barnes fall out right Quay blitzes and then Kudos to Quay for hustling, staying with the play. He comes over. He's in the perfect spot as Rudy Ford strips this ball. Rudy Ford is just a dog. Him and Keyshawn Nixon, I want them back next year. Whatever you got to do to get them under contract, obviously you don't want to overpay, but those guys cannot – they're not going to break the bank. I want Keyshawn Nixon returning uh, punts and kickoffs, and I want him playing dime back at a minimum, maybe even nickelback. I think he's got that kind of that kind of slot uh, mentality, being able to you know get in there. And, and I mean, you're willing to lay out a tight end like this who outweighs you by a ton. And here's the block again. Bang. Get Keyshawn Nixon a contract. And the same thing with Rudy Ford. Great job stripping the ball. Just a good defensive play all the way around. And, of course, you took a play where they were knocking on the door, like I said, I think at our 22-yard line, 21-yard line roughly, and you returned this ball all the way back, you know, into, uh, into the red zone on the opposite side of the field. I mean, that's exciting stuff. It really is. You've seen right there the flash with Quay and why he was a first-round pick, simply because he's got the athleticism. Now, the, the big thing with Quay, in my opinion, is when he tackles, he tackles violent. You know, Jake and I talked about this on the post-game show last night. Jake from uh, our uh, It's Always Draft Season podcast. If you guys haven't checked that out, he did a, an awesome um, mock draft episode yesterday that I've been hearing great things about. I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet, but I know he was uh, going to fire some stuff out there for you because, you know, it's never too early to talk about talk about the draft, that's for sure. But um, when he was on the pod last night, we kind of discussed this. You know, we talked about, um, you know, Quay Walker, how when he attacks, he's a very he's a very violent tackler, but at the same time, he misses a lot of tackles too. So when he, when he connects on him, man, he's bringing the thump. But when he miss, misses tackles, it's typically out in space and it, and it causes a big play. So it's kind of give and take there. But, again, 
Nice positive play for Quay Walker there. Rudy Ford with the strip. Quay having the awareness to pick it up. And you got to give Keyshawn Nixon a, a lot of credit for sticking his head in there and uh, and bringing the thunder on the tight end. So um, let's move on to the next play. This comes um, this comes in the second quarter, seven minutes and 50 seconds left. It was a second and 20 play. We're at Philadelphia's 23-yard line. So this is uh, almost immediately following that turnover, obviously, I'm pretty sure we got a penalty, if I remember correctly, that cost us 10 yards. So now we're backed up second and 20. And right here, you're probably thinking, let's try to get eight or 10 yards, set ourselves up for a third and manageable. No, that wasn't on Aaron Rodgers' mind, right? And this was before Aaron left the game, obviously. But Philly was up 20 to 14. Huge play right here as uh, Aaron Rodgers throws a touchdown pass to Aaron Jones. Let's kind of set the stage for you guys. Green Bay comes out in 11 gun empty, Y right boundary. T slot. What does that mean? Okay. 11 gun empty, obviously one running back, one tied in three wide receivers. They're going to come out in, like I said, what we call a uh, Y right boundary. What that means is simply the tied end is the Y receiver, right? He's down on the bottom of the screen. We're going from left to right for those of you on the pod and they've got Tunyon flexed all the way out to the boundary. Okay. So that's why we call it Y right boundary. Right. And then you've got T slot. What does T slot mean? I'm going to go behind the line of scrimmage here with the view. T slot simply means when, when the running back is on the line of scrimmage or out in a route, if you will, if he's out of the backfield, he becomes the T receiver. It stands for tailback, right? He's the T receiver, and he is going to be uh, flexed out of the uh, out of the backfield as well. He's in the slot, so that's your T slot. So, again, 11-gun empty, Y-right boundary, T slot. Now, Philly comes up in a nickel single high. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about that, but you can see they do have some late rotation where the uh, safety uh, that will be considered the strong safety on the left side of the formation, he kind of comes down and squares up. It looks like man coverage to me that might be zone, actually. Yes, it's zone. I apologize. It, it's so hard to determine between man coverage and zone when you see these double rats, and that's kind of what they're throwing right here. They're giving Green Bay a little bit of their own medicine on this play. Now, what is the route combo? The route combo is what I call, and I'm going to go back to the old East Coast terminology. I like doing this when when Coach Hahn isn't on because I, I think it's important to kind of go back in time and talk about the way things were done at, at, at different moments uh, throughout the history, the uh, course of history in the NFL and how things have come along. Now you've got a lot of route combination passing concepts that just have, you know, names like Haas and dagger and levels and things like that in the old days they would call out the routes in order from left to right so we're going to call this play out like that this is called a climb 495 t go okay now what does that mean first of all why, why do you say climb why is it not a number obviously a climb route is a crosser it's a form of a crosser where the receiver has the uh the freedom to break that route off or take it a little bit deeper you know coach Hahn said it best it's it really what they call that route is just get open right you're running in a general direction but you're looking to just just try to find that space and get open and christian watson is lined up to the far left he's going to run that climb okay so that climb route you'll see right here i'm going to unfold it you can see he just kind of runs that deep crosser and he's just trying to find an opening anywhere okay so that's your climb aspect you start there left to right climb 495. What's 495? Well, your four route is a sit. Okay. I want you to watch Cobb here on the left side. He's just going to run a little sit route. There's your four, right? And then if you go back, the next uh, the uh, the next aspect of this is the nine route, which it's not the T. Okay. We're not talking about Aaron Jones here in the T. We're talking about the nine route that's ran by Lazard. That's just to his right. He's going to run a nine fade. Okay. And then the five comes underneath. It's Tunyon running a dig route. Okay, so that is your 
495 Cobb four route. You've got Lazard nine route, nine fade, and then Tunyon five route. And then the final, the, the final aspect of this play call is, is uh, T-Go, which is you're now telling the running back you're running a go route, right? You're kind of working that seam right there. It's really kind of a skinny post, okay? Now, what happens on this play? Obviously, Philly comes out in that nickel single high. It's climb 495 T-Go. Yash, I want you to watch Yash here on the right side at right tackle. Yash does a really good job. I mean, they're coming out in this wide nine right here, okay? You can see their wide nine. They get their hand in the dirt, though. As this edge defender comes off on the right side, Yash knows, man, this is kind of damage control. He's already gotten really far out wide, and he knows we've seen Rodgers do this his entire career. Rather than Yash panicking, Yash just kind of rides that defensive lineman on out and gives Aaron a lane to step up. Great job by Yash right there because he, he really, guys, he kind of got beat. But look at Aaron roll right. Aaron just, you know, great pocket awareness that we've seen over the years. He slides right. Jonesy knows right here, too. I want you to watch Jonesy on this go route, right, this T-go. At this point right here, he's looking back, and he sees Aaron's in trouble. And this is what Coach Hahn talked about on scramble drills and having the awareness of a veteran to be able to say, you know what, okay, I understand now the structure of the play is breaking down. I've got to get open. Well, he knows, and this is what's so important, to have veteran players that understand everybody's what everybody's doing on the field. He knows in the back of his mind, this right side is going to be convoluted. You've got a nine fade from Lazard, right? And then you've got Watson on the crosser. So as soon as Aaron looks up and he sees all this traffic over here, there's no way he's going to this crosser. You've got three defenders covering that crosser, and, and one of those three has got Lazard like completely hemmed up, okay? So he's not going to go there. So what does Jonesy do? gives him a little shake, and goes left. Now, there's not many quarterbacks in the league, guys, that can do this, and we're going to zoom in on Jonesy's uh, route right here. You see he's working, gets beyond the mic. He's clear down the seam. He, at this point right here, he sees Rodgers is in trouble, takes a peek at the safety. He's going to give him a little shake to the right. He knows there's way too much traffic over there. Let me bend it back. And, guys, you just you can't coach that. That is a veteran move. Aaron Jones making a play in the passing game like we've seen so many times before. And uh, as you can see here, too, as we go back, Aaron throwing across his body. This is an absolute dot. I mean, that's you're talking about from the 26-yard line to the back of the end zone. So it's a 36-yard pass in the air across his body. And you can see he puts this thing right on the freaking money. I mean, just a little flick of the wrist. And this is what's so frustrating because – You've seen the wobblers, right? You've seen the interception over the middle that got tipped that was uh, meant for Lazard. Um, you know, throws late across the middle, across his body. Not a good look for Aaron, but the ball came out wobbly, and you could tell right there, okay, that's the thumb. But then you come out in a play like this, and he just throws a dime right on the money. So you could tell the thumb is causing the inconsistencies, especially when the ball's wobbling. If it's a tight, tight spiral, like the interception he threw later on in the game, and we're not highlighting that one because we're limited on time. But, you know, that even that interception, that was a tight spiral. I immediately put in our chat, that wasn't the thumb. That was a bad decision by Rodgers. Some people online, I believe Kurt Benkert was saying that it was on Tyler Davis that he was supposed to flatten that crosser off more, and he didn't. Aaron expected him to, and Aaron was thrown to his spot. I, I, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know football better than Kurt Benkert. I mean, the guy's been in the league, you know, uh, several years now. Been on the practice squad. He's been around pros like Aaron Rodgers uh, pretty much his entire career so far. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know more than him. It kind of seemed like an excuse, but I'm going to I'm going to bank on Kurt Benkert and what he said there, right? But again, this throw here by Rodgers, 
across the body. I mean, just an absolutely beautiful throw. Again, it's just a veteran move as we roll it here. Um, Aaron Jones taking that peek back, realizing Aaron's in trouble. Okay, let me give a little shake outside. Bam, back inside. And Aaron puts it right on the money. Touchdown. Beautiful play. So, again, that was a, that was a crucial play there, in my opinion. That came, um, like I said, in the second quarter, immediately following that fumble recovery. And, and Green Bay's in business, man. I mean, they're in business. They're, they're looking to, all right, we can compete with this team. We can keep up, right? So let's go on to the next play. I thought I would highlight this one. Again, there was a ton of running plays that we could have highlighted, guys. I mean, a ton of them. I tried to pick out one that really highlighted the problem for me, okay, and, and what was wrong with this run defense. And this right here, it's both about scheme and execution again, right? And I'm not making excuses for Barry. I mean, I said it in the chat. I'm like, my goodness, dude, when when, when you see someone running all over you like this, at what point are you not? Are you going to load the box and say, okay, we've got to take away the run, right? I know LaFleur defended Barry, and, and it's very rare that I disagree with LaFleur, but I definitely disagree with LaFleur on this, this subject because, I mean, they're running the ball down your throat. We're in the third quarter now, guys. Why not put a spy on Jalen, load the box, and make him beat you through the air? And I know he beat Rasul on one. I was going to highlight that play. Didn't have enough time. Rasul gets beat deep and man coverage down the sideline, completely on Rasul. I would much rather see that and go, okay, at least we didn't let him take our candy, right? Because that's exactly what they're doing running the rock. So here you've got a play that's set up in the third quarter. Guys, the score's only 27 to 20 Philly right now. Philly's up by seven points, 27 to 20, third quarter, 1238 left in the game. A whole lot of ball game left. I mean, basically half the game is still left. Second and 10 play, they're on their own 14-yard line, right? Philly comes out in a 12-gun, twin left, strong right, halfback weak. What does that mean? Let's go behind the line here. What we mean by 12, well, first of all, let me go back to the TV copy. All right, 12 is one running back, two tight ends. You can see they've got their tight ends overloaded to the right. There might even be an extra offensive lineman in there. I didn't take the time to check it, check the numbers and see who all was in as far as personnel um, or a specific players, rather, positionally. Just wanted to talk about personnel. You've got two tight ends, uh, one running back, two wide receivers. So that's where you get the 12-gun, twin left, your twin left or your wide receivers on the top of the screen going from left to right. Strong right means your tight ends are on the strong side of the formation. If it was one, one tight end on each side, I would say balanced, okay? That would switch from the uh, the twin left strong right to the twin left balanced, but instead it's twin left strong right, halfback weak, which simply means the halfback is in the sidecar on the weak side of the formation opposite the tight ends, which happens to be the left. And again, like I said, at the top of the screen, we're going from left to right for those of you on the pot. So the thing that stands out to me here, um, Green Bay comes out in a nickel two, four, five. And what do they do, guys? I'm going to go behind the line of scrimmage and show you. This, this this drove me crazy all day long. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Here again, we've got the wide nine technique, right? Now you got the box a little more loaded here. You've got safeties creeping up in the box a, a touch, but I want you to really key in on the offensive line splits, the O-line splits here on the right side. Look at this spacing right here. When you look at the spacing here, what I mean by that, and, and those of you on the pod, from the center of the center, okay, the center position, to the outside shoulder of the left tackle, look how much space is there, not, not so much as over on the right side. When you go to the right side, look at these splits over here, guys. I mean, that that's telling you, okay, they're really trying to space out on the right side. That should tip off a good defense, a veteran defensive line, that this is probably going to be an outside run, right? And I'm not saying they didn't pick up on it, but – you know, that that's something that that should really trigger in your mind. Now, when you look at the hat count here, let's let's cut this in half right here. Imagine there's a divider line right down the middle of the center and the quarterback. OK, so imagine there's a divider line there. What's the hat count? You've got one, two, three, four, five offensive players on the right side that's going to be blocking on the defensive side. You've got one, two, three, four. And the safety is outside of the box at the moment. So you've got the hat count you being Philadelphia. So they're going to get real greedy here, and they're going to pull two offensive linemen. They're actually going to pull the center and the guard because this is a weak front. Look how weak this front is. You've got two defensive linemen with your defensive tackle. Let me back up here and let you know it was a 9-3-3-9 tech, okay, is what I would call this, okay? Or actually it's a 9-1-3-9 tech. What does that mean? That means that you've got your nine technique out here with Preston Smith, wide nine, You've got a one technique in between the guard and the center on the left. You've got your three technique in between the guard and the tackle on the right. And you've got another wide nine. There are way too many bodies out here. From a defensive standpoint, you're outmatched. You're outnumbered. This is a bad setup. Either we don't have enough veteran leadership on the field to adjust to a formation like this on the fly. And I know Philly was doing a lot of hurry up. They were trying to rush the Packers along, you know, during the night, but at some point, a defensive coordinator has got to step in, too, and go, hey, guys, look, let's just make sure that – forget sugar and let's make sure we're in a position to make the play. And you cannot get caught in this weak front like this. You're completely outnumbered. So, again, they're going to pull the center and the guard because of the weak front. And we're going to roll it forward. And I want you to watch what happens here. Watch the center and the guard. They're both going to full, uh, pull. The tackle is going to crack down. The tight end is going to help there. And that is an, an additional offensive lineman. So they are in like a jumbo, a heavy set. They're going to crack down on Kenny Clark, seal that whole backside off. The guard in the center pull, the guard is going to pick up that edge defender. He's sealed, and now you literally have a center out in front for Adrian Amos, right? Now, you can see Enigbare. First, I thought he was held. I went back and watched it. Enigbare actually has the left shoulder pad of the offensive lineman, of the guard that pulled. It was not a hold. It was a clean block, clean play. Enigbare just got outmatched here and couldn't get the edge. Now, as Miles Sanders comes around the corner here, look at Kelsey. Kelsey kind of whiffs on the block to Amos, right? Gets a little bit greedy. Amos has got to be able to make this tackle, guys. Look at this. I mean, this is just a whiff. 
like you've got to know, you know, I know we got penalized for, for diving at the legs of an offensive lineman earlier in this game. Um, you know, he being uh, Adrian Amos, but you've got to be more physical than this. And that's easy for me to say, right? I'm, I'm sitting at home on my couch saying you've got to take on a, uh, you know, an all pro, uh, all pro center in Kelsey and you just got to lower your head and hit him, but you got to do something here. I mean, that's, that's pathetic. He sheds the block, but at what expense? I would rather you square up and slow Miles Sanders down. I mean, you take yourself out of the play, then you try a little grab tackle. I seen Amos doing this all night, and it drove me crazy. Just grabbing, as Lombardi would say, grab, 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 right? <laughs> but again, huge play. And I mean, you you've got to put it on Amos right here. Schematically, too, I guess there was a little bit of a hold. You can see right there. Ooh, looky there. Yeah, that's that's definitely a hold on Enigbare. But Again, they didn't throw a whole lot of flags. I'm not gonna chalk it, you know, chalk it up as we lost because of flags, but that that is a little bit of a hold right there, man. He got out outside of the framework, hooked him around the back. And Igbore still got a hand on him. But right here you see, look at Adrian Amos just reaching all night long. That is not how you tackle, guys. And that was not a clean block by Kelsey. That's on Amos, and I hate the weak front. So again, it's it's not a popular answer, it's not a fun answer, it's not a you know, one of these that, okay, we can just put the blame on this person, fire this person, although I do think Barry is really on his heels and keeping his job. But you, you've also got to put it on the players. That first big run that set the tone for the entire night with Jalen Hurts, right? I mean, Quay Walker missed tackle, Adrian Amos missed tackle, Darnell Savage missed tackle, all on the same play. I'm sorry, that's not Joe Barry. Joe Barry caught a great play there. In this case, they caught a weak front. I'm, you know, I, I'm against it, against it. I get it, but it's both scheme and execution. Adrian Amos has got to do a better job making that tackle right there. And so, again, the answer is it's not one thing. It's not the defensive coordinator. It's not the players. It's everything, right? It's not the scheme. It's everything. This thing is completely jumbled up, and I'm to the point now where you've got two options, in my opinion, when it comes to this defense. You can either – Throw the book at Vic Fangio if he doesn't get a head coaching offer. And throw the book, I mean, like they did with Basaccia. Get aggressive and go, all right, we want Fangio to come in here because the foundation is laid. Granted, it's not a great foundation, but you've got players that understand the scheme. They really don't even understand the scheme. I'm trying to trying to find a positive here, a positive way of saying this. They've been trying to run a Fangio defense, I guess is the best way to put it. They've been trying to run a Vic Fangio defense. Who better to bring in to clean everything up than the man himself, right? So you throw the book at Vic Fangio and bring him in. If he's not interested and or he gets a head coaching offer, then I would personally like to see them go into the Belichick tree. I would like to see them go into Bill Belichick's defensive coaches and preferably Stephen Belichick would be my pick. Now, will he leave his dad to go become a defensive coordinator? I doubt it simply because – Belichick can probably match any kind of pay. He's got full control over that organization. Although you can't block, you can't block a uh, vertical move, right? Meaning, if a coach wants to be a defensive coordinator and another team offers a defensive coordinator spot, you can't keep him unless you promote him to defensive coordinator, right? That would make it a lateral move. Therefore, he couldn't leave. Now, the beautiful thing about Belichick, and I've talked about this before, he has no offensive coordinator and no defensive coordinator right now. This is the very reason why. If Green Bay called for Stephen Belichick, what would happen? If he called for Stephen Belichick, then 
Bill would just say, okay, we're going to promote you to defensive coordinator and give you a pay raise. Boom, it blocks the move, right? So then you would have to move on to someone else in the organization. That's if, you know, and everybody hearing my voice, you may be anti Belichick defense. I personally love the fact that it's multi front, it's very hybrid. Uh, teams have a hard time kind of kind of adjusting to the multitude of form, uh, not formations, but fronts, looks, man coverage, the zone coverage, mixes, things like that. I mean, they, they do a really good job of confusing offenses, especially young quarterbacks. Um, but if he did promote Stephen Belichick, then you could go to a Gerard Mayo, who's their linebackers coach, or a, a Brian, I believe his name's Brian Belichick, his other son. I don't see his other son as being as um, veteran savvy when it comes to being a coach as Steven. Steven seems to be the one that has um, kind of the upper hand there. So, you you know, like I'd said on Twitter when somebody asked this question, I think it was on J.J. Leahy's um, tweet that he put out about, you know, who would you like to hire as your defensive coordinator? Um, I said Steven Belichick, but you might need to send a smoke screen. You may need to have to go – you may need to go after Gerard Mayo and then when Belichick promotes him to defensive coordinator, then back up and go after Steven. But you got to be prepared to hire Gerard Mayo. But I would pick one of the two best minds after you interview everybody in that organization to come in and install that defense. That's just me personally. But you guys know I, I love following Bill Belichick and, and his success over the years. So, um, wow, I didn't plan on getting off on that little tangent, but I'm glad we covered it because it's something that's been talked about a lot here in the last couple of days. All right, let's move on to the very last play. And this is the one you probably came for. I'm going to, I'm going to get a sip of iced coffee here before we break it down. This is the play that had all of Twitter buzzing, right? Jordan Love comes in for Aaron Rodgers, and I didn't expect Jordan Love to come in there and just absolutely light it up. And, and in my opinion, he really didn't. He played within uh, the, the, uh, the structure of the play itself. Right. Meaning he didn't try to go out and play hero ball and, and, and just throw shots down the field. He came in and immediately I think they only had one running play. And it's what I pointed out in the chat as well is, you know, there was people online going, um, wow. This, so this is what LaFleur's offense looks like when he's allowed to run it. And I was like, what? They they ran the ball one time and passed nine times, if I remember correctly. And they were in the gun, I think all but two of those 10 plays. What do you mean this is LaFleur's offense? It was essentially a two-minute drill the entire time because of the score, right, once uh, once Jordan came in. So he comes in. This play come in the fourth quarter, 9-13 left, and the game is kind of out of reach. I know we made it closer at the end. At, the, at this point, the score was 37-23, 9-13 left in the fourth quarter. It was a first-and-ten play. We're at our own 37-yard line. OK, and I wanted to highlight it because it's huge for two young players. One, Jordan Love coming in and showing the moment isn't too big for him. Guys, he didn't make a difficult throw. And, and if you go to Twitter, you're going to see Bears fans and Packers fans going at each other because Packers fans are saying, look, how much better he is than Justin Fields. And Bears fans are pointing out that, guys, he, he threw a literally an eight yard slant route. Why are you acting like this was a difficult throw to make? Here, here's what's cool. Both of those. Both of those statements are true, right? He is better than Justin Fields. You can see it. Anybody who thinks that Justin Fields is a better quarterback, a better passer than Jordan Love, then you're just kidding yourself, right? But also, let's not pretend like this slant was just the you know the, the most difficult play to make, right? This is something that it's actually more of a crosser than a slant, but it's kind of that climb route where you're you're adjusting through traffic and, and just getting open. But 
Again, let's go to the play. It was an 11A stack, Y-off, play-action, shoot, post-climb, flat. Again, 11A stack, Y-off, play-action, shoot, post-climb, flat. Let's break down what all that means, okay? First of all, your formation, 11 ace. Ace is uh, one syllable replacement for single back, right? Ace means ace is the same as single back. It's just easier to say in a play call in the old West Coast uh, West Coast uh, reading of the play. So 11 ace stack. What is stack? Stack means your wide receivers are stacked one on top of each other right here, okay? So there's your stack formation. So 11 ace stack, Y off. Y off is simply, it should be Y left off. So that's my fault. I left that out. Y left off. That means your tight end being the Y is going to be on the left side of the line of scrimmage and he is off the line of scrimmage. That's where the off comes in. So Y left off. Play action shoot is real simple. It's going to be a play action to the running back who's going to run a shoot route, which is basically he's going to run diagonally straight towards the sideline and kind of continue that motion of an outside zone run or outside stretch run, I should say. And uh, he's going to be there as a safety valve for uh, for Jordan Love if indeed he needs him, right? So that's your shoot. Now, post-climb flat, what does that mean? Let's go to the tape here behind the line of scrimmage. Post-climb flat. As you roll it forward, you're going to notice that you've got a post off the left side here. So your one sole receiver on the left side, he's kind of off screen right here behind the line of scrimmage. He's going to run a post. He's just kind of running right down the seam, going to kind of angle it off in a post. And then your climb route or your crosser, depending on, you know, terminology, every coaching staff is different. You know, some people would, some people might even call this a slant or, or maybe a slant choice or something like that, right? We're going to call it a climb. So you see right here, Christian Watson's going to run the climb route. So there's your climb. So again, back to the, uh, back to the play call itself, post climb flat. And then you've got Cobby out here to the right. Who's just going to run a quick flat. It's almost like a bubble, really. It's probably more of a bubble than a flat. And I think that Cobb's sole purpose in this play is we go back to the TV copy. You can see Cobb on the bottom of the screen. When you see him kind of bubble or – yeah, that's definitely a bubble. I think that's an RPO that's added in. Right here, if for whatever reason Jordan Love decides, okay, I like that these guys are off, I'm just going to simply dump this out here to the bubble to Cobby. Then he'll go alert, alert at the line. That lets the offensive lineman know, don't get too far downfield. I'm alerting to the bubble um, or vice versa, depending on what their, their keys have been the entire night because we know defensive players will call it out, call out audibles as uh, offenses make uh, offensive uh, quarterbacks make switches. Um, that's kind of that head game that goes on, that mind game that goes on uh, in the middle of a game. So I think that's what it was, was an RPO aspect added in. So right here, if Jordan did say alert, He's not even going to play fake. He's just going to come up and fire that bubble. And you can see from this camera view, it's probably there if he does it, right? If Rodgers is in the game right here, guys, I think he throws that bubble. It's first and 10, no reason to be overly aggressive. But what did Jordan Love do? He come to the line and he said, you know what? I, I, I think that they're going to have a drop in the middle of the field, meaning this backer right here is going to be playing drop coverage. Once Christian crosses, if it is single high, nothing's going to be over here, right? And this is just simply Jordan Love trusting Christian Watson. So again, here comes the play fake. Uh, let me let me go back here. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, post climb flat. Tyler Davis is going to first come across with a sift block, right? This seems to be his patent move here this year. We've talked about it over and over and over. Tyler Davis is your your uh, Y left off, Y off left, if you will, tied in on the left side of the, of the line of scrimmage. He's going to sift all the way across. So essentially, what Yasha is going to do is leave this edge defender unblocked. 
and Tyler Davis is going to come straight across and throw a sift block, and that's going to seal that up for Jordan Love to have the throwing lane. So you see, Yash leaves him alone. There's the play fake. Tyler Davis with the sift block. All right, so there's that. Boom. Now, what I want you to watch here on this play, too, it's easy to just look at Christian Watson and, and say, man, he just turned on the burners and made a big play, which is totally true. Watch David Bakhtiari over here on the left side of the field, okay? You got this wide nine, and you got this guy right here that's playing kind of that four-eye look, okay? So let's watch as we roll it. Watch Bakhtiari. Watch him kick out here. Guys, Bakhtiari is 100% healthy now. I, I feel very comfortable saying that. And with him finally becoming healthy, I think he'll probably be back next year. I don't think he's going to retire this year. Still got a lot of money on the table, right? And the contract will probably have to be adjusted. But, again, I want you to watch Bach here on the TV copy. Kicks out, rides this guy outside. Guys, that's your all-pro left tackle. He's back. I love it. That's a great – again, it's all for not this season, right? The season's pretty much over. But moving forward, you have the second most important position on the offensive side of the ball – Sealed up. You've got it. You got him under contract, and he is now healthy. Uh, fingers crossed that no other injuries occur, right? But you're seeing now David Bakhtiar. I really wanted to point that out because I've seen that, guys. This was a tough defensive front. And again, what's the whole offensive line? I mean, they really hold up nice right here. Chris, you know, or uh, Jordan Love's able to make this throw because this offensive line, I mean, look at this pocket. That is textbook, right? Again, he's not even worried about the RPO aspect, he's going to go straight to his boy. D, the DB knows he has inside help here as we go back behind the line of scrimmage. I want you to look at the DB that's lined up across from Christian Watson right here. He knows he's got inside help. It's single high. He knows this drop backer's here, right? So he's not going to let Christian get outside. And as you watch Christian Watson going to his route here, look, right there. And I'm going to go on into the route here and, and show you this. Check this out. Watch Christian. He wasted the last possible second. This isn't just two, three yards and go and run your route. Christian's reading the DB. He wants that DB to commit outside, and right there he's committed. As soon as his feet cross, he flips his hips. Christian knows, got it, bang. And look at the separation, guys. The separation isn't because Christian Watson's so fast in this specific part of the play. The separation is Christian Watson knows. He's learning how to play the wide receiver position. This is a veteran move. Watch him. He's going to make him commit. Now he's gone. And that is freaking beautiful. So, again, let's watch the play fake. I want you to watch the linebacker that's dropping in the middle, okay? As the play fake happens, watch the linebacker. Tries to cheat up. All right. Right here, he's cooked. There's nothing he can do. He's His focus is Jordan's looking right here. So his focus is I've got to take this throwing lane away here. But Jordan, excellent awareness, had a great PFF grade. What's he do? He's going to wait for him to clear. That's why I love crossing routes, drag routes, slant routes, because they run through zone and away from man. It's the best type of route in all of football, in my opinion. You give me a if, – if I can only choose one concept, I'm running double crossers. Like, that's that's my baby there. I, I feel like if a quarterback reads it right, you can beat both zone and man with crossing routes, okay? So, again, watch him. He's going to kind of look that, that linebacker right. Look at that. The linebacker even throws his hand up. Jordan does a great job. He keeps those shoulders open up to the right or close to the right, I should say, and then comes back. The linebacker's lost. And at this point right here, now here comes the speed. Watch Watson. He's too fast. I mean, he he literally fools everyone at this point. 
These guys think, okay, now we got to tackle him, right? Especially this safety here. I'm just going to come up and make this tackle. Watch how he fools this safety. He is gone. If that safety had it to do over again, at this point right here, he's shooting straight to the sideline. But he thinks, oh, I can make this tackle. Watch Christian Watson turn on the burners. It is over. Absolutely over. I mean, you, you've got to respect speed. And teams are starting to understand that now. And I'm going to tell you, as we move forward, and whether it's Aaron Rodgers who continues to play until we're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs or it's Jordan Love, I think you're going to start seeing defenses, especially defenses that, you know, obviously they're still playing. We're going to come across teams that are still playing for their playoff hopes, even though ours is down to like 2%, I believe, right? But they're going to start to play a little overtop bracket coverage on Christian Watson. I really believe that. I think they're going to, they're going to begin trying to add extra bodies on Christian Watson. And this is the reason why. Just look at that speed. It's unbelievable. Let's go back to the tape here. Let's go back to the TV copy. Again, play action, bang, linebacker commits, keeps his shoulders closed, holds the linebacker at home, right by the right ear. Christian Watson's off the races. And here's the fun part. Yeah, you have to respect his, his you have to respect his speed, right? And all that. Watch my boy Alan Lazard right here, guys. Look at that block. All the way across. Guys, he was running the post. He runs the post, picks up what's going on, and look at Lazard hustle. And he comes over and cleans number 22's clock. Bang. I love it. Absolutely love it. And let's have a little fun here, all right? For those of you listening on the pod, Christian Watson crosses the goal line, and he does the shush noise. And when he did it in real time, I'm like, come on, Christian. We're, I mean, we're, we're getting our butts kicked right now. Let's don't showboat. But then I realized why he said shush. At this point right here, he's looking at the stands, and guess what he's got, guys? Look at these double birds up here. <laughs> Look at these Philly fans. This Philly fan, for those of you on the pod, giving him the double bird, and Christian sees it as he crosses the, the goal line and just gives him the shush noise. I love it. Kill him with kindness, right? Mama Watson raised him right. I love it. Let's watch it again here. We're going to go in real time. Let's just play it. Play it all the way through. There's a double bird. Bang. All right, here we go. Play action. You're going to see the crosser. You're going to see the post. Going to hold the safety up top. Eyes keep the linebacker froze. Crosser, raw speed. And then, of course, here comes our boy Lazard cleaning it up at the end. One more time, watch the route. You're going to see Christian Watson. Takes him to the peak. Gets him to flip the hips. Crosser, catch and go. Speed just cooks the safety. Lazard comes in, cleans the play up with the block. So, again, that play call was 11A stack, wide off, play action shoot. Post climb flat, and uh, everybody on that play did their job. There wasn't one aspect of that play that I looked up and said, "Wow, man, so and so didn't didn't do their assignment right." Um, everything just kind of fell into place. Tyler Davis with the sift block, guys. Could you could you imagine if Tyler Davis, um, imagine if Tyler Davis in that spot, you know, missed his assignment and missed that sift block, completely blown play, right? Completely blown play. So it's important for everybody to do their job here. But again, I wanted to point out the SIF lock. I wanted to point out um, the, uh, let's see, let me get this taken care of here. I wanted to, uh, wanted to point out David Bakhtiari's great backside protection. I wanted to point out the DB. He knew he had help on the inside and he thought for sure, okay, I've got to protect outside, right? I've got to make sure Christian don't, don't cook me on a nine fade and, What's he do? As soon as he gets backpedaling, Christian does an excellent job getting him to commit. 
over the middle. Uh, you know, Jordan Love does a great job holding his shoulders closed, holding the linebacker in place. A lot of savvy things that happen on that play. And what's cool is the majority of those things came from two very young players, Jordan Love at quarterback and Christian Watson at wide receiver. Christian Watson is really, really, really coming into his own. You know, last week I had talked about, and I had mentioned in the chat, I think I mentioned in a tweet, and I might have mentioned on the podcast, that I personally believe that Christian Watson was still in that, um, you know, need-to-know category. I feel like we had three hits so far in this draft, and those three hits were Devontae White. I feel like he's shown enough, although it's been limited snaps. He, I feel like he's going to be a, a solid defensive lineman. I don't know why he's not getting more playing time, but PFF agrees. I've seen people break down film on Twitter. It just seems like you can tell, all right, this is going to be an NFL caliber defensive lineman, whether it's nose, you know, playing a three technique, whatever it might be. I think that's a hit. I think Zach Tom is a hit. And I think Enigbare is a hit. And I put Christian Watson and several other people in the it's still too early category. He's shown flashes. He shows the raw speed. He shows that he can be a playmaker. But there's just not enough consistency. This week, in some of the veteran stuff he's done, I think we got us a dog. I do. I think we've got somebody that that is going to be a hit. I think he's someone who's going to play a huge role uh, for this team moving forward. And I'm very, very excited to, to see how he develops. I'm excited for the rest of the year, man. I know it's depressing that the Packers, you know, pretty much out of playoff contention. And, and none of us seen this coming, right, with all the injuries and and obviously Bach being, you know, hurt early in the year, Elton not being completely healthy, Tunyon recovering from an ACL still isn't his old self. Um, you, you know, you, you're expecting more schematically to, for the ball to get, you know, moved around to different receivers, which it did. But, you know, I don't think any of us thought we would miss Devontae Adams as much as we have. But on top of that, um, you're also getting to see these young players develop. And that's what's going to be really, really exciting about the rest of this season. Uh, you know, I, the list I made, I don't know if I have it here handy or not. I made a list of players I was looking to watch uh, in that game. I don't think I have it. Um, oh, here it is right here. Yeah, the players that I listed was I wanted to watch Christian Watson, Devontae Wyatt, Kingsley and Igbari, Quay Walker, Rudy Ford. And if you go through and grade from that game, let's do this real quick as we wrap up. I'm just going to pull up the PFF grades for those players. And uh, real quick, just kind of individually. First of all, A.J. Dillon had his best game of the year, a 90.1 elite grade. He had 21 snaps. Really excited to see that. That's good news there. Jordan Love. I wasn't expecting to see Jordan Love play in the game, but we weren't expecting Rodgers' ribs to get hurt. But there he was, 85.7, guys. Jordan Love in 85.7, an 83.4 passer grade. Like, that's, that's very, very significant. And I'm trying to – trying to curb the enthusiasm, but that is really good. If he does come out and play next week or starts whenever he does start, if he's somewhere between 75 and 85 on PFF grade, hold on to your seats because it's about to get good, right? Now, third, first first uh, player that I mentioned, Christian Watson, 84.6, by far his best game of the year, guys, 84.6. That is very exciting, Okay. Um, next on my list, the rest of them were defensive players. It's funny how boring of a uh, Packer fan I am, right? I, I love defense. I just love – I love low-scoring games. I love it when defenses show up to play. Devontae Wyatt in this game. Let's see what he graded out at. Devontae Wyatt graded out 14th highest on defense, a 36.8. Took a step back. I mean, that's that's a horrible game. He played 20 snaps, too. Uh, Kingsley and Igbari, he graded out as the seventh highest defender, a 58.7. That's not going to get it done. Had a bad, bad game, right? Quay Walker, 30.7. I'm going to say that again, 
82.7. 82.3 in coverage. Great in coverage. Everything else horrible. Run defense, 25.3. Tackling grade, 28.8. Again, guys, some of this, I'd say the majority of this wasn't on Barry in this game. I mean, the players have got to show up and play. PFF isn't grading this by they expect someone to make superhero-type plays. They're grading it by what were their responsibilities and how well did they accomplish their, their responsibilities. They agree, or they say that Quay Walker is a 30.7. And then Rudy Ford, my boy Rudy Ford was the fifth player I wanted to keep an eye on. 88.7, guys. 88.7. You know, I talked about earlier in this podcast that I want to see Rudy Ford and Keyshawn Nixon. You know, I want to, I want to see them re-signed, get them under contract two or three-year deals, right? Throw them some guaranteed money, maybe a little more than you would normally so you can keep the cap hit down, but get them to sign the contract and not let them hit free agency. Keyshawn Nixon was the other one, 73.4. So two of those three players had a great game. TJ Slayton, I felt like got bullied at times, but he graded out as a 75.1. He was eating double teams, don't get me wrong. So again, with those, if we were to check those out or cross them off for this game here, just for this test here, Christian Watson exceeded I mean, he succeeded tremendously. Devontae Wyatt did not. Kingsley and Ibarre did not. Quay Walker did not. Rudy Ford did. So that's who stocks up, in my opinion. So just wanted to touch on that as we wrapped up because, again, that stuff's important. I think it's important to uh, to key in on it and um, and kind of see who played well, who didn't. The rest of this season is exciting for me because it's an opportunity for us to evaluate the young talent and see what the real needs are coming into the draft. And, again, guys, make sure that you check out uh, our boy Jake on It's Always Draft Season podcast here on the Packernet Podcast Network. He was, uh, like I said, I had several people asking me, hey, who was that on the pod with you last night or on the on the postgame show? That was Jake. Dude is very well spoken. He knows football. He knows his draft stuff. An absolute draft expert. He would probably disagree with me saying that because he's humble like that. I truly believe he's a draft expert. Love the work he does. So with that being said, we're going to get out of here, guys. Again, I want to thank John in Arizona for the huge donation there to uh to the ministry really appreciate you uh helping us uh make a difference in this crazy little world and like i said we're going to be uh giving away that paul horning jersey so make sure you guys get yourself entered in that contest follow at packers underscore access just retweet the tweet that's been at the top of the page follow the account that enters you in the contest one time and then follow that pin tweet that's attached there from ryan with the link to uh the ministry that way if you want to donate and get yourself uh, entered into that hat multiple times you're, uh, you're welcome to do that. So appreciate your time. Everybody uh, watching and listening on YouTube and Twitter live here. Appreciate y'all putting up with me being solo tonight with uh, Coach Han taking care of some stuff uh, there, like I said, uh, with the family, doing some family stuff at a basketball game. But, um, yeah, also appreciate you guys listening on uh, Tuesday afternoon. This should drop around noon Central Time. So uh, thank you guys for making us a part of your work day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go. Is to go. Good meter. 17 to 14.